Hey everybody, uh, this is Talks with Gallagher, and I have my great friend Vince with me right now. Uh, just want to share a little bio about Vince um, as we proceed with this conversation. Uh, we'll be talking about um, deliverance, and I know deliverance is a really broad topic, um, but we're going to focus on some practical uh, things um, in deliverance that we can you know, apply pretty immediately in our life. And Vince was radically transformed two and a half years ago when he received the prophetic word that said, quote, if he took his need out of a solution happening in his life and put his need into God, that he would find him and that God will change him and use him in a powerful way. Vince was also set free 18 years ago of condemnation when he believed that word from the God and he was passionately pursued the love of God ever since. Two months after that word, God told him to attend Karis Bible College in Colorado. After completing his first year, God in his divine instruction led him to attend Goal Awakening in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania for a uh, year two, and now has led him to return to Colorado to finish his third year of schooling with an associate in ministry license. Vince has also been blessed with personally witnessed hundreds of people healed physically through faith in Jesus, and he has seen many dozens of people receive spiritual breakthrough by casting out demons in the power of Jesus' name. Um, yeah, he's looking forward to completing a school and beginning of full-time ministry. And he gives all glory to his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what a wonderful, uh, humbling introduction, Vince. And, you know, I know you didn't say this in your bio, but uh, let's just say you have had um, a wide gambit of experiences um, in deliverance ministry. Um, and... You know, you're not necessarily, um, you know, do deliverance in a traditional sense, right? Um, you know, I think, you know, Hollywood and movies, they kind of portray a version of deliverance that um, is not really biblical and more esoteric than biblical. Um, and so, um, and, you know, even now today and everything that's going on today and, you know, I was just talking to a friend of mine he was saying that he, that he walked into a uh you know into a, a grocery store and when he walked to a grocery store there was people there that were acting he could tell by discerning of uh spirits he was acting people were acting funny and he stretched out his hand and he was uh declaring peace in the store and people just started just responding just normally and mm. um and so anyway i just say that to say that um uh, you know, I know given your experience and we actually met, it's been, you know, officially a year now uh, when we met at, you know, GSI, Global Summer Intensive. That's happening right now. Uh, they just finished their first week here, uh, but it's all online this year. But, yeah, we met last year and we clicked right away. And I even asked you to share your testimony with GSI. And then even someone was asking you um, to, you know, share your personal testimony. I was just really um, just impressed by uh, your testimony and your faith and what God has done in your life in such a, you know, such short amount of time. And so, um, you know, when I asked you before we went on the program here, you know, what did you have in your heart? And you're like, well, you know, I, I'm really been focusing on deliverance. And I'm like, wow, you know, that's a really important broad topic. And, you know, we started talking a little bit about it more. And I'm like, you know what, let's yeah, what you have to say is really important. So we got people literally from all over, you know, the globe that are watching now and we'll watch later. But yeah, Vince, just share with us, you know, just, 
you know, what does deliverance look like to a believer in today's world? That's a great question, John. I just want to say, first off, thank you for having me on the show. Um, it's a blessing to be on with you. And, uh, you know, you've just been a great friend. And I've just been honored to watch what God has done in your life. So mm. I just see your growth and, and along the, Amen. the journey. Um, deliverance, uh, it's such a wide spectrum, like you said earlier. So <laughs> I, I never... I never put God in a box and I never say deliverance is going to happen this certain way because every mm -hmm. deliverance is different. Sometimes the deliverance is uh, very peaceful and it's just a matter of praying over somebody. And when you get done praying, they're like, I just felt something leave me. And I just felt something dark lift off of me and they get set free that way. And other times uh, it depends on the amount of deliverance that they need. Were they in the where they have some occult background? Do they have some other things? I've had demons take over people's bodies at times where you've had to or I've had to rebuke them and you're looking at a, a demon that manifests and fully takes over the body. I've experienced a bunch of that. Um, it's so it's a wide range and you just have to rebuke and it's not about yelling and screaming. It's just having faith in the name of Jesus Christ. Because those things have to bow to the name of Jesus Christ. But it, Amen. your authority comes from having faith in the name of Jesus. It's not my authority. It's Jesus' mm -hmm. authority. So um, yeah. it's a wide spectrum. So it's hard to say it's this way or that way. But Christians can have a demon inside of them. Um, mm. And I've experienced personally about 150 deliverances within the last year that I've led. Um, and every one of them has been a Christian and every one has to make a choice after they get set free. Do they want to return to the things that put them in bondage or do they want to passionately pursue God? And when they do that, their life changes and freedom comes to their life and they're able to turn around and really uh, make a difference in the world and really help people um, and, continue on the cycle of being set free and setting others free. Amen. Yeah, that is so uh, critical. And yeah, you made some uh, uh, really <laughs> uh, just uh, really, uh, yeah, you're right. You know, like just some really strong statements, you know, it, you're right. Like, you know, a lot of people think authority is, you know, the volume of your voice or the tone of your voice right. or how, or yeah, all those type type of methods. But you know, you're saying that authority isn't really in that manner. It's really in what you are submitted to in authority, right. rather than how you're um, communicating in a sense that authority. Um, so I think that's really important because you know we live in this day and age now where there's a lot of, um, you know. A lot of loud <laughs> communication, yeah. um, you know, especially with some of the recent events happening where people have these megaphones and sharing their message. I, you know, being here in the city of Harrisburg, there's people literally with their trucks, with a microphone, with big speakers mm -hmm. giving their message and them thinking that they have authority in what they're saying. But right. sometimes I wonder if they really do, if they really are making a difference, not that, not to put that method down, but just to say that, you know, um, that what's, 
what is the most effective method. It, and I, I, I agree with you. I, I believe it's submitting to authority, you know, first um, and how that gets communicated transcends um, the, the, that weight of that authority. Yeah. Um, In the beginning, when I would do it, I would get loud at times. And part <laughs> of it was just an excitement. Like, you know, you're, yeah. you know, you, you may have a demon talking back to you. They take over their body and their the demon's voice comes out of them and mm. they're speaking to you. And, and, you know, there's a, an excitement level there, not even necessarily a good excitement, just the nervousness, like, you know, what am I encountering here? But as you grow into it, you learn. I just talk to them like this right now. I don't need to get excited. I don't need to be passionate about my voice. They know whether I believe authority comes from a belief. And when a police officer gets a badge, they have authority with that badge. Yeah. And so they believe that they have authority because the, the law says that they do. Mm-hmm. When I start to believe in Jesus Christ and what his word says, and I start to believe in that, that is my badge. That is, that is Jesus inside of me. And when I start to believe in that, it has nothing to do with the level of my volume. Mm-hmm. And it just has to do with what I believe. It's, it's a belief. Belief and, and believing is a verb. It's an action. It's an ongoing thing. Faith is a noun. And uh, so we believe into the faith that God has given us. And the name of Jesus is just so powerful. And if people could really come in to understand that, it's not about uh, holding a cross and, you know, come out in the name of Jesus with that cross. It's not, I mean, uh, holy water will torment demons. I've experimented that, that in the early stages mm-hmm. uh, where I just blessed water and commanded it to be made holy in the name of Jesus. And if you sprinkle on a person, they manifest and, Mm-hmm. The demons hate that, but that's just, I don't really deal with all that anymore. There's just distractions and I've learned and I've grown and just keep it simple, you know, and just speak to them and tell them to come out in the name of Jesus and break. If there's any legal right, mm-hmm. that legal right has to be broken. And if there's no legal right, then just come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know um, before we went live here, you know, you were saying to me, and I think this is good to just share, you know, live is just um, the love of God is um, critical, you know, not just optional, but critical in the um, approach of deliverance uh, with, you know, yeah, how it is, um, you know, uh, communicated, communicated, and approached, and in the all the parties involved. Uh, can you just you know share on that because I think that's really yeah. important because yeah. I think sometimes people get caught up if if people are you know feeling that God's calling them into this particular realm of ministry or this or interested in this topic. I think sometimes people kind of get caught up in the method and the technical aspects and wanting to get the person set free instead of you know what you know what you know how is god leading me in love to this human being in you know almost like a midwife assisting them in the process of being set free knowing that god is using you as an instrument you know in jesus yeah to bring that deliverance that's really good, John. And that is where my heart is. That's it's my heart's not in deliverance. My heart is in love. There but, we go. But the love of Jesus is deliverance. The love of yeah. Jesus is healing and, and the love of Jesus is salvation. 
He did it all on the cross. So in my bio, you said about 18 years. I was in condemnation for 18 years. And two and a half years ago, God gave me that word. And and when I repented and, and came out of agreement with the lie that I was believing, that God was mad at me, that he had, was condemning me and I couldn't hear his voice. When I came out of that agreement, at that point in my life, the love of God came into my life. And I started to understand identity. I started to understand God's love. And if you read 1 John 4, you will, you will see all throughout that, that it's talking about that God is love. God is love. God is love. He speaks it three times. And it says mm -hmm. it's not about how much that we love him. It's about how much he loves us. Yeah. And so when you're loving on somebody, if God is love, then that means that God is the essence of love. All love comes from God. Mm -hmm. So even when a non-Christian is communicating love, they're, ex they're experiencing and encountering God because all, all love comes from him. He is love. That's, he is the essence of it. Right. So that's why when people, you love on somebody, they smile because you bless them because they're experiencing God. So it's so important in the deliverance that you don't make the person feel condemned. The devil made me feel condemned for 18 years. Yeah, I might have done things to put demons inside of me, but I cast them out of myself a year and a half ago, and not many people can cast them out of themselves, though. And I just I felt them leave me, and I got set free from a bunch of stuff, and, and mm -hmm. it just put me on this journey with God and, and just encountering more love and more love. And it's really all come down to God's love. Somebody may have done something wrong to put demons inside of them. Maybe they messed with the occult, but they want to be free. And God forgives them, and God loves them, and we should be doing the same. And I think that's what's missing a lot in our world today. So many Christians are judgmental. They want to point the finger at other people. You know, you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be doing this. But they're not loving on the people as they're doing that. God loves on us all the time. His love never stops. Even if we're doing things that are wrong, even if we're doing things that may hurt him or hurt the, the our walk with him, he still loves us. And that never changes. And because Jesus paid the price. So God looks at us through the cross, through Jesus and sees him. Yes, he called us into a holy life. But yes, we make mistakes. And if we live out of his righteousness rather than our performance, our holiness, and we stop condemning other people, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. So when somebody's going through deliverance, it's all about, listen, man, I love you. I'm not condemning you. Jesus loves you. God loves you. He wants you free. And the whole time that is going on, those demons are sitting there whispering and saying, oh, no, this guy's condemning you. He's looking at you. So you have to counter the lies with the truth. It's the truth that mm -hmm. sets us free. Amen. It's not. It's not just authority. It's true. Yeah. Right. So the truth is right. found in the name of Jesus. The truth is in Jesus, and so we have to bring Jesus into the situation. We have to bring love. He died for us based on love. Right. So to come at somebody and say, "Well, you know, I can't believe that you did this," you know, but you know what? God will forgive you. No, you just say, like, you know, if if the Holy Spirit gives me something in a deliverance, and and I hear witchcraft or i hear that there's some type of uh altar or they did something in the occult or whatever it is or the un unforgiveness if you approach that subject based on listen why you know like i'm hearing this now why would you do that that's horrible that's not love but if you say right. listen, i'm hearing this you know god loves you 
I love you. He wants to set you free from this. If you just repent, God will set you free in this instant. And repentance happens like this. When you see that happen in deliverance, people think repentance is a big, long process. But God's forgiveness is not like our human forgiveness. His forgiveness yeah. is instantaneous. So I see this often in deliverance. And when something comes up and I just say, listen, just repent. And somebody's heart, when they mean it in their heart and they speak it with their mouth and they say, Lord, forgive me for this area. It's mm -hmm. instantaneous. And in that moment, I can cast those demons out and that legal right is gone. And 30 seconds later, uh, they're delivered. And it's just powerful. It's love. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And, you know, I'm wondering, you know, uh, you know, with adults, sometimes it could be, you know, more evident, you know, in needing deliverance. But, you know, what would you say, you know, for children, you know, um, needing deliverance? Just, you know, what are your, you know, what are your thoughts there? You know, if someone, you know, is in a position to, you know, um, be used by God to um, do deliverance on a child, like, you know, um, just w what is your thoughts on that? Well, first off, you have to be a child under a certain age, maybe uh, maybe 10 or so. You have to really be careful about your wording because mm. what you say could traumatize them more. I wouldn't even try to let them know that they have it, that they have that they need deliverance mm. or, you know, be speaking about demons. You can just lovingly say, you know, listen, just come here and you can put your arm around him and just say, we just in the name of Jesus, we just command, you know, all this to leave right now and for you to to be free in Jesus name and you don't have to speak about a demon you don't have to empower them you don't have to give them the glory or their highlight of what they've done you just tell them to go in the name of Jesus and a lot of times yeah. you can do deliverance over a child a parent has so much authority over their child mm -hmm. and if they're free just to be able to go in at nighttime while they're sleeping and just cast this stuff out even in, as they're sleeping they don't need to be awake that when we sleep our spirit is awake. Our soul is asleep. Our body's asleep, but our spirit's still awake. And you can speak into them and command that stuff to leave. And you can take authority over that room and command that room to be cleansed. The children are minors. So parents should use that, that legal authority that they have over their minor children in a way. But don't don't traumatize children. It don't don't make a show of it. And and I'm big about that too. Like too many people have been hurt in the church where somebody up front will call something out and they will bring shame into people's lives and shame them in front of all kinds of people to show that they got a word of knowledge or that they have some hidden wisdom that God has revealed something and, you know, call out pornography or something like that in their life and cause shame. And that's God is not a God of shame. Yeah. So pull those people aside or whisper into their ear and let them repent and then cast this thing out. And so I'm just a big one about that, like, especially in, and with children, too, like protect them. Let's protect our children, protect even adults from this. Yeah. We'll be calling stuff out in the public. Take them to the side. If somebody, you know, protect their their uh, hum um, not humility, but protect their character um, doesn't need to be brought to the light. Okay. Yeah. Very good. I'm, I'm sure that that would help people that are wondering about that. And, you know, um, as you were talking about, you know, the deliverance, um, you know, process, you know, um, and, you know, being set free and then being free, you know, um, 
you know, how does one, you know, uh, stay um, set free? You know, how do you, maybe for lack of a better word, maintain, you know, your deliverance and then continue to steward that uh, deliverance that you do have in your life? Yeah. Well, I, I uh, teach some of the things that Jesus taught and, and uh, that he said, go and sin no more mm. at times. Sin is what opens up the door. So if somebody say, I've dealt with a lot of uh, demons of, say, pornography. And when you cast a demon of pornography out of somebody, somebody may struggle with pornography all of their life and they can't overcome it. And they, they break free for a month or two, uh, maybe six months, but it comes back and it's just an ongoing struggle and they're condemned all the time and they just can't break free no matter what. Then it possibly is demonic. And I want to be very careful that we don't label everything in life a demon. Right. Sometimes it's flesh. And so sometimes everyone wants to run out there, especially people in the deliverance ministry, and be like, oh, this is demonic. This is a demon. You need a demon cast out. No, maybe they just need their flesh, and they just might need to renew their mind in Christ Jesus. Hmm. But if it is a demon, if it's something that you can't overcome, it's a drug addiction, pornography, or something like this, um, and it's it's an overcoming thing that no matter what you try, it, it very well could be a demon that needs to be cast out. And I've seen people, when that gets cast out, they get set free from it. But you have to break the habits afterwards. The right. habits don't leave. The flesh part of it doesn't leave. So you're going to have a natural desire like um, to go back to it because it's something that you did every night or, you know, it's something that – and that natural desire needs to be broken. And in, and the demon may not come back the first time, probably won't. It may not come back the second time. The important thing is, is if you do break it, you repent right away. And you mean it. Repentance is a turning from what we did. Repentance is not, Lord, just forgive me so I can do it tomorrow. That's not true repentance. Mm-hmm. But repentance means to turn from it. And we ask for forgiveness in that. So... Turn from what put that demon into your life. If it's unforgiveness, when the thought to hate this person comes back up again, because it will, then you need to just say no. Like, I have forgiven them, and I surrender back to you, Lord. I'm not going to accept this back. I'm not going to walk into unforgiveness. And, and honestly, I see more people have demonic stuff in their lives because of unforgiveness. And that's mm. just a big one. So. Th- is that, body, is that the most common uh, trait that you have, you have, you know, run into yeah. in all the deliverances that you have experienced is unforgiveness is one of the, the biggest, right. the biggest ones. Yes. And when you look at the, I think in Matthew 18, it talks about the, the, the Lord, the, the King. And when he brings the servant in front of him, that owes him a lot of money and, he forgives him his debt, but goes out and grabs hold of somebody else and grabs him by the throat. That's talking about mm-hmm. the Lord and the cross. And mm-hmm. that's talking about us going out and somebody else so much smaller and we don't have forgiveness. And it says that God will turn him over to the tormentors. Mm-hmm. Well, the tormentors are the demons. Unforgiveness is huge. So we have to break and not participate anymore in what happened. And I've seen many, many people live and be free. And all of a sudden now they can hear the voice of God. All of a sudden... Mm-hmm. They're, they're free from that condemnation and all that stuff. But it's a process. We, we have to renew our minds in Christ Jesus. If you get set free and you don't pick up your Bible and you don't pray, it's very likely that they're going to come back because 
the word says is that when, when they're cast out, they go into dry places. And at some point, they wander around. They don't find a home, so they come back to the home that they were before. And if they find it clean and swept and garnished, that, I believe, is saying without the presence of the Holy Spirit. Mm. If they find it clean, they will come back. And not only will they come back, but they're going to get seven more powerful than themselves. And they're going to come back, mm. and it's going to, the, the last state will be worse than the first state. We have to get... I always pray for somebody afterwards to be filled with the Holy Spirit and for Holy Spirit to come in and fill those rooms mm -hmm. because otherwise people feel empty after deliverance. They feel like something's yeah. missing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I just want to just shift gears here a little bit. Um, I'm just um, sensing just to ask you, um, you know, I'm wondering, um, you know, I, and I know this in a natural, but I'm curious, like, how has your... In, like encounter or encounters with God um, kind of shape or change or develop just kind of your um, approach in or your kind of role in, you know, deliverance uh, in the de deliverance realm and also, um, you know, just, um, you know, your, um, kind of your draw to, you know, to move into that uh, arena. Yeah. So I, I would say that 18 years of condemnation, living as a Christian, but struggling mightily at times, 18 years believing that God was mad at you and yet you blew it because I walked with him for two years in my 20s and I but I walked in uh, legalistic my holiness and when I fell into sin I thought I blew it and I thought I lost God and I would just pray at times Lord just make me like Samson and knock down the pillars and, and let me just die like serving you one last time but that was all a demonic lie that was fed to me hmm. and then when when I just when I received that word that if I take my need out of the situation in my life and I put it into God that I will find him and that he will change me and use me in a powerful way. I said, if this is true, God, I want that. And I got down on my knees and I just repented. And at that moment, I felt the love of God come on my life. And I started to learn and listen to like Andrew Womack's teachings on identity. And I listened to hundreds of hours of it. And I started to wow. believe what the word of God said, not what religion said, hmm. but what the word of God says, that I am seated with him in heavenly places. Hmm. Greater things will I do in the name of, of Christ Jesus uh, because he goes up into, because he went into heaven. Like hmm. that I'm a king and a priest. And and it's all because of what Jesus did. And, and it set me so free of me. The more that I died to me, the more that he could fill me up. And when he filled me up, things started to happen. Mm. And that's when about a year later, I'm in the shower one day and I'm like, listen, Lord, your love is so real. Like I would just weep for hours at a time as his love was coming on me. And I would have encounters with his love. And it got to the point where like, God, I'm done with my sin. I'm done with the ways of the world. Like your love has won me over. You've loved me even when I would sin. I would run into his presence because I wanted to see God. Is this, is your love real? Or, or did I really believe this as a lie? 
And so when I send my greatest, I would run into his presence and I would encounter him and, and mm-hmm. I would weep in his presence and his love would come all over me. And it was like right after the sin. And, and it was like, God, and I just finally said, I'm done. And I cast demons out of myself and I felt this darkness lift off of me right there and then. And I go down into a group of people because the Bible says, confess your faults one to another. If we keep our sin in the dark, it festers. And I went down into a group of people in Colorado Springs and I confessed my, my faults to a group of like 12 men and women. And that night, like a little mini revival started and people started confessing their faults all over in the room and people were getting baptized. And it was just a powerful encounter that night that just shaped people's lives. And I came back here to Randy Clark and uh, my friend Bill introduced me and said, hey, do you want to go? And I was like, no, I don't think I'm interested. And he said, well, watch this video. I watched this video. I come back to school the next day. I was like, I'm going. (laughs) We booked tickets. This is November into December of 2018. Okay. And we came back to a healing and impartation with Randy Clark. And that first afternoon, he said, you know, hey, I'm going to pray. And if you feel the presence come on you, come up front. And he starts to pray. And I just start shaking. And I start crying and weeping. And I came up front and Randy just put a hand on my head and I hit the floor like that, Mm. like a sack of potatoes. And for two and a half hours, I'm on the floor, shaking under the power of God and snot running and tears flowing. And I have an encounter of love that is like nothing that you can experience here on this earth. And there's Mm. people against impartation, all this, but the (laughs) love of God that came on my life in that moment wrecked me and destroyed anything that the world ever told me. Mm. And for seven hour, a period of seven hours over four days, I had encounter after encounter like that. Wow. And it just changed me. And I go home, I see somebody get healed coming off an airplane in Colorado Springs that could barely even walk. And she walks out of the airport healed. And because I just that impartation and the, and the faith that arose out of me and I, and I just go home that night, and I go into a dream, and I, and I go into a cavern in the dream, and I see these um, containers all over the cavern on, on like, wooden-type, like, line rack-looking things. And there's thousands and thousands of these containers, and there's people running around with, with tablets writing on and looking at these things. And I stopped one of them in, in this dream, and I said, what is going on here? And they mm-hmm. said, oh, well, you know, you don't know? I said, no. I said, and they said, well, each one of these containers contains an anointing from the Lord. And I was like, well, that's incredible. I said, and they said, yeah. And they picked this one container up and said, this container contains this type of anointing. Another container contains another type of anointing. And this container contains anointing to this person. And I assumed it was someone on earth at that time. And I said, well, can I have an anointing? And they said, yeah, you can have any anointing you want. And I said, well, I said the first thing that came to my mind, I want the best anointing. And they said, yeah, this, this anointing. And they said, it's around here somewhere. They go running off in the cavern. Long story short, they come back to me and they open up this container and they point the lid in the container at me. And that very moment, the power of God comes on me. I wake up in that instant and come into real life. And the power of God hits me for an hour and a half and I'm shaking and having visions and praying in tongues wow. and, this just started a journey in my life, and I, I go into Boulder, Colorado with uh, William and Chantel Wood the one night. Oh. 
and uh, we're up there for three days in a conference with them. And Williams is up front preaching, and he says, "If you want to have an encounter with the Lord, we're going to pray for the Holy Spirit. Come up front." And I go up front, and William is just, you know, man, he ushers in the Holy Spirit just so powerful. He does. We're yeah. into his stuff. It's awesome. <laughs> And I'm up front and I'm standing there and William just starts praying from the stage, Holy Spirit, come. And people start, I just feel like a lady grab a hold of my arm as she falls down and bully pins a couple of people. And I open up my eyes, I look to my right, and then this lady over here falls down and I look and people start falling all over the room. And I'm standing there and nothing's happened to me. And I'm like, well, God, I would like some of this. And I'm like, what's going on? And William comes down and he prays for me. And my hands just start shaking just a little bit. And I'm like, okay, God, I want more. I want more. I want to be like one of these. And Chantel comes down and she puts two hand, two fingers in each one of my hands. And she says two words, breaker anointing. And the moment she says that, I hit the floor like a sack of potatoes again. And then one <laughs> half, shaking, snot running, crying. And the presence and the love of God is flowing through me. And ever since then, even in that conference, I cast out my first demon and people just started coming up to me and started saying, Vince, I just feel like Lord told me to come to you. I have this demonic stuff going on. Will you cast it out of me? And I've just seen encounter after encounter like that. I don't ever seek people out. People come to me one after another. And that just started out. I never asked for it. I didn't even want it. But the Lord and his divine nature said, I want you to do this for me. And so... Between the love encounters that I've had and the authority to cast them out, that all Christians yeah. would walk in. Mm -hmm. But the greatest, the greatest of these is love. Amen. Without love, we don't have anything. And it's, it's I, I can't stress that too much. It's love. we got to love people. Mm -hmm. And that's really what's happening in the world today. It's a, yeah. it's a rebellion of that because people... Mm aren't being loved properly. Right, right, right. Yeah. Wow. So is that kind of how you kind of walked into the realm of deliverance was um, just those encounters and just kind yeah. of that desire that God planted in you and just, yeah. you know, you're, you're seeing the need for, uh, you know, uh, being used as an instrument of God's love for, um, you know, yeah. his body. That's a, that's exactly right, John. Um, <laughs> it, to me, it's not about, look at me, I can cast out demons. To me, it's mm -hmm. like, I can touch people and change their lives and I can bring freedom. The, the Lord told us to go and set the captives free. Yeah. And I feel like I just, he stirred a passion in me to just shepherd people teach them truth and set the captives free. And, and if that's deliverance, if that's truth, sometimes truth just brings deliverance into people's lives. It doesn't yeah. you say deliverance is this way. It's not about in the name of Jesus come out. It's mm -hmm. so many different ways. The people will get delivered so many different ways, but, and it's love. And, and I love to love on people and I love to see people set free. And that's really what it comes down to. That's awesome. So, uh, you know, I'm curious, and I'm sure others are curious too. You know, um, we kind of we we hear this word, you know, generational curse or generational iniquity. You know, uh, I'm curious. You know, what what are your uh, thoughts on that? Um, you know, there's there's a lot of 
let's just say, theology on that in different Christendom circles, uh, maybe too much. I mean, obviously, you know, there's so much information out there. I think sometimes people have a hard time really grabbing onto the truths and what all this is and then then practically living out in freedom, you know, what God has given us as his sons and daughters, as an inheritance, you know, um, in the kingdom. So can you just share, you know, um, your thoughts and just all that on? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, uh, and, and I, that's a great question um, because there's so many different thoughts on this. <laughs> I know. So That's I, why I'm I, asking you. <laughs> I'm going to share you what I believe. And I will preface yeah. it with this is that I'm still growing in this. Mm-hmm. And I'm always open to say, I don't ever want to get to the point where, Lord, I know it all. I'm always like, Lord, just reveal truth to me. Show me more. In the beginning, in the in the Old Testament, and, and uh, near the beginning there, it says, the sins of the fathers will pass into the third and the fourth generation. So there is a curse that passes to the third and the fourth generation. But when you get further up into Ezekiel, the Lord speaks about that through Ezekiel, through a word that Ezekiel gives. And at that point, Ezekiel says that this, things are changing. And now it's going to be that the sins of the father will remain the sins of the father and the sins of the sons will remain the sins of the sons. Then when you get up into Jesus' time, Jesus is walking the earth, and he's bringing into reality the cross. Mm-hmm. The cross comes. Jesus dies for our sins. And then in Galatians 3.13, the word says is that cursed is everyone that hangs on the tree, and that Jesus Christ took the curse for us. That, in verse 14, that the blessings of Abraham might fall upon the Gentiles. Mm. So... But do the demons take generational curses and illegally trespass into our lives through them? Yes. Hmm. I have done deliverance on people. This is my opinion again. Yes, we, we understand. Okay. That. But Go I ahead. have done deliverances on people where the demons will not come out. And anytime that they're not coming out, because I have the authority in the name of Jesus, and I believe that, they have to come out. So if they're not coming out, there has to be a legal right. And then you have to come and find out what that legal right is. And it's not always just a cut and dry and easy thing, but mm-hmm. I've already had to break sacrificial altars in a generational line mm-hmm. in order. And once that is broken, that demon comes out. Um, oh, wow. So I have seen oh. it and witnessed it where you're doing deliverance for a couple of hours and they're not coming out. And all of a sudden yeah. you break that curse and then they come out. Yeah, and and for those watching um, that don't know what um, altar means, can you just give a definition on what um, altar means so that people watching would would just give that context in our conversation? So I'm talking about like a physical altar where there is a blood sacrifice made Mm. in a generational line, or it could even be the Masonic line. Somewhere in there, um, somebody made a blood sacrifice. Somebody made a blood oath. Somebody made a vow. And it could be as simple as somebody in the generational line said that I will commit my family and my generational lines to the devil. And because of that, it carries forward. And people can even be born, I believe, 
with a demon and have that in their lives or it comes even as a child life it is not fair Mm. It, it is disgusting how the enemy will come and torment a child all of their lives. Mm. But once you break that right, legally, they, there is no generational curse. Jesus took it away. As a Christian, there is no generational curse. But Amen. if you believe that there is, or if you don't know any better, if you don't have a belief system that Jesus did break every generational curse, Mm -hmm. then you can have a generational curse because I believe it is in our belief system. It's in the truth setting us free. Amen. Amen. Um, and so, yeah, we're talking about, you know, uh, uh, basically evil altars that can um, bring uh, curses in a generation and through the bloodline. Uh, but can we just flip this for just a quick second? Because we obviously know that the enemy is a counterfeit. So uh, do you think that there are godly altars? You know, I'm reminded in Joshua 5 where Joshua um, established living stones in remembrance for the nation of Israel for what they went through from Egypt. And we see throughout Scripture, too, you know, different godly um, altars that were that were set up. Um, and so um, can you just share, like, is, like, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, well, first, uh, you know, do you think there are godly altars? And then after that, um, if you could respond to, you know, how, how does one build um, a godly altar in replace of, you know, um, one that isn't? Um, or what are your thoughts good, on that? Good question. I don't know if I have any thoughts on that. I don't, I don't know if I've really, ever really heard that. I, I would say that to me, Jesus is the last. He, he became the last altar, the last sacrifice. Mm. Um, to me, like everything comes off of him. Everything comes off of his cross. He, he, became, he became the ark, basically, essentially, of the Old Testament. And he shed his blood onto the ark, and, and which rent the, the veil. Um, I guess I would maybe look, maybe we're on the same line on this. Like I would believe in strongholds. Um, strongholds. Yeah. Okay. So like or in strong towers, we can build godly strongholds. And we mm -hmm. can build ungodly strongholds in our life that leave uh, that have to be the ungodly ones have to be broken down in order and the truth breaks them down. But godly ones right. is, would be a belief system in Galatians 3.13 and Galatians 3.14. And mm. if you have that belief system, that becomes a strong tower for you that the enemy can't penetrate and has no right of access into you because of it. Okay, so I'm just curious, what what is the difference between a stronghold and an altar. What is the difference? Well, when I think uh, to me, when I think of an altar, I think of like the physical altar there, there mm. to me, there's two types of altars. There's the physical altar where, where somebody in the occult will put somebody on that altar or mm. will put an animal on that. And they will sacrifice an animal to call down demons and mm. to and bring power from the demonic realm into that. Or, um, but there's also altars. What I would say is uh, DID and MPD, mm. disassociative identity disorder and multiple personality disorder, where there's a fractured mm. soul and somebody mm. can have an altar from, say, say six years old or, or 10 years old or 15 year old, or it can be an evil altar inside of them that participates in the occult. There, there are people that are ritually abused and uh, mm -hmm. 
but that's a whole other big yeah, subject. That's a whole other <laughs> <that's laughs> conversation. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe next time you come on, maybe. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm just saying that just to help folks that are watching and maybe, um, you know, whoa, you know, went from altar to stronghold. But, um, but the, yeah. The stronghold to me is just is a belief system. Belief system. Yeah. Okay. So it's You're, not, it's not, um, Okay, gosh. Physical. So something that is like an altar is something physical to me that was originally okay. done on it. Uh, stronghold is like a belief system. If you believe God is mad at you and you can't hear his voice, then to you, God is mad at you and you can't hear his voice. Mm. And that's a demonic stronghold that's in your life. And that had to be broken down in order for me to actually hear the voice of God and actually to receive God's love. Condemnation, therefore. Romans 8 1 says, therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in the spirit, who walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. You have to walk in the spirit. When we walk in the spirit, we cannot be condemned. Mm-hmm. There is no condemnation towards us. God does not condemn us. The devil does. We do. Other people will condemn us. But when you believe that God does, that's a strong um, that's a stronghold in your life that has to be broken down mm-hmm. in order for truth to come in. And once that's broken down, now you can build a stronghold that God doesn't condemn us. And so when the enemy comes at you, he can't penetrate that wall because that's a godly stronghold where God is your your truth is your stronghold and that it can't lies can't penetrate that. So it when he hits that, it falls the condemnation falls down and you live free. Amen. So yeah, I'm just thinking on a practical level, you know, how does one um, break down, you know, a stronghold that is, you know, a negative stronghold. And then how does one, you know, uh, replace that with, you know, a stronghold, that belief system that is uh, godly, that is um, in right standing, a kingdom orientated stronghold that moves that person forward into their calling. Yeah. I, I deal with a lot of this in deliverance because Strongholds will prevent a demon from coming out at times because mm. a person has a belief system that's contrary to the word of God. So mm. I find even especially in deliverance, people are very more tuned into the spiritual world so than they are during deliverance because there's angels participating. Uh, there's a lot of the godly realm. Jesus is there. He wants these people to be set free. So. The only way a stronghold can be broken down is for the truth to come in some way. And it's once the truth enters in, once someone goes, no, wait a second, that makes sense to me. And then they can say, okay, the way I've been believing has been a lie. And it's so easy. You just say, Lord, forgive me for believing a lie. I turn away from this lie and I accept your truth that such and such and I choose to believe your truth. And that's when the word of God says the truth sets us free. And that stronghold, that wall will come tearing down. If somebody believes forget unforgiveness, that I'm tormenting someone because or I'm getting victory over somebody because I have unforgiveness for them. I'm not going to let them go for what they did to me. They deserve to be punished. But the truth comes in and is that the only one really being punished is the one that's holding the unforgiveness because the one that's not being forgiven could care less most of the time, whether you forgive them or not, there's no relationship normally there. So they just don't care. But when you realize that you're the one being tormented 
The demons are coming after you. It's destroying your life. It's destroying your wife or your husband's life. It's destroying your children. It's destroying everything around you, every relationship, because you have this bitterness inside of you. When you realize the truth that you're hurting yourself, which is why God doesn't want us to have unforgiveness, because he wants to have us communicating with him. When you realize that your unforgiveness is like a ceiling, a cap between you experiencing God, mm -hmm. you can say, Lord, I repent of that. I forgive this person or I choose to forgive this person because forgiveness doesn't just happen like that. Right. <laughs> we have to choose. And, and the right. truth is in choosing. When you choose right away, that, that, that stronghold comes down. The truth comes in and then you have to then build up a godly stronghold that it doesn't the truth doesn't automatically come in and make this huge stronghold that can't be penetrated because right. lies will still come out at this devil will still come to deceive you and whisper into your ear but you have to keep saying no the truth is this the truth is this and you find it in the word of god you the mm -hmm. truth is the word of god <laughs> it's right here in this word and if you're not in the truth you're not going to be able to build strongholds of truth and ask the Lord to let you reread, to read the Bible from love. If you're reading the Bible and you don't see love in it, then maybe you're being deceived. Mm. And consider that and look at it and say, why is this like this? Why, where is the love in this? And try to find truth in the love because God is love. He doesn't write his word based on hatred, based on anger, right. resentment. Right. It's on truth. It's on love. Mm -hmm. So read your word. Pray and believe that God loves you no matter what, and that no matter what you're experiencing, no matter what the enemy is saying against you, do you want to believe a demon or do you want to believe the God of truth? That's what it comes down to. Amen. I was actually about to say, Vince, you know, what are your final words, final thoughts in today's conversation as we close? So I would like to just give you a little piece of advice. When the, and I've, through deliverance, I've experienced this over and over and over. The enemy can only come to you as a thought. People that can see into the spiritual realm, they will see the enemy come and he'll be this big. And he'll come and he'll stand here and he'll whisper into your ear. And he'll say, I can't believe that person did that to you. I can't believe that person hit you, hurt you. And then you'll be like, oh, yeah, you know what? I can't believe they did. I can't believe they did do that to me. That wasn't right. Now you got offended. Because you listen to a demonic spirit. Offense is not of God. Now he takes a little bit farther and you start to come into agreement with this thing. And next thing, it's coming this big. And this happens in the thought process, but it's also happening in the spiritual world and in the physical sense. Hmm. And this demon, the more that you come into agreement with this thing, whether it's inside of you or whether it's outside of you, you empower the demon by coming into agreement with the thoughts that go against the word of God. When it comes and whispers to you, that is the time to speak the truth and say, no, the word of God says I don't need to be offended. God loves me, and I'm and, and there's two commandments. Love the Lord God with all your heart and soul and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's including the ones that you don't like. Hmm. That's including the ones that are rioting and doing everything else. That's including the ones that are coming against uh, black people and racism and all this stuff, the garbage that's in the world. Break the thought off then, because if not, by the end of the day, by the end of the week, by the end of the month, that thing is going to be 10 foot tall. And then you're going to have so much hatred in your heart, so much anger in your heart that you're going to allow that thing to come in. 
and my advice to you, and then you'll grow it inside of you. And pretty soon that thing will inhabit and, and suck you dry. If you're being tormented today, say, Lord, forgive me. Let me walk into forgiveness for others. I choose to forgive. Lord, forgive me for pornography. Lord, forgive me for the adultery. If you've committed adultery and it's in your past, listen, let it go. Forgive yourself and move on. Do you think God wants you to, that if unforgiveness includes self. So many people have demons inside of them because they don't forgive themselves. Mm. Forgive yourselves, forgive others, ask the Lord to forgive you. And in that instant, God forgives you and he loves you unconditionally, even before the forgiveness and after the forgiveness. And just receive his love because his love will change you. His love will take you in. I'm not special. All I did was chose to believe in his love because it, it wrecked me over and over and over. And I choose to love each and every one of you, even if you don't agree with me today. Because this is a challenging subject. It is. I love you. And if I get persecuted of it, I still love you. And I choose not to be offended. And I, and I ask that the Lord reveal truth to you. And listen. Just receive God. If you don't receive God's love, you'll never be able to love other people mm. because his love, you'll never be able to love yourself. And if you don't love yourself, you can't love others. Mm. So let him love on you today. That's, if you learn anything out of all of today, <laughs> let God love on you today. You're worthy to receive his love because of what Jesus did. I don't care if you murdered or whatever you did. Forgive. And let God love on you and let him change your life. That is what is important. And Amen. You, it will change your life. It will wreck you. Amen. Can you just close out in prayer, Vince? Yes. Yes. I just feel like that would be good. Thank you, Lord. So, Father, I just thank you for this opportunity just to reveal truth, Lord. So, Father, I just, I'm going to step out in faith, and I'm going to believe that there will be people that will be set free even in this very moment. Mm. Amen. So right now, I just release your angels to come beside people. And I just say right now, it just forgive yourselves, forgive others. Just do it even right now in this moment. Just let it go. I choose to forgive. Lord, forgive me for this false mindset. Forgive me for this unbelief. I just say just right now, just take it to him and believe and believe and let the love of God wash over you right now. Just let it come. Let it come. Let it come. I'm just going to give you a minute here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So I'm just going to speak to anything that's holding people back. So right now, I just declare in the name of Jesus against every stronghold, every demonic stronghold, I command to be torn down in the name of Jesus. I just say to any spirits of addiction, any spirits uh, of judgment, any spirits uh, causing conflict in people's lives right now. Any demonic spirit that does not belong there, whether on the inside or the outside, in the name of Jesus, I come into agreement with the person that's wanting deliverance right now. And I say, go right now in the name of Jesus. You set them free. You set them free. You must go. And I just declare fire to come upon you right now. Fire to come into your mouth for you lying spirits. To just inhale the judgment fire of God. And I command you all to leave right now and go into the pit right now in the name of Jesus. 
set them free. You have no more of a legal right. That legal right has been broken through repentance. And I command you to set them free in Jesus name right now. Leave, leave them now, leave them now, go into the pit. Do not come back in Jesus name, in Jesus name. And I just say, Holy Spirit, drive them out through love. Drive them out through love because those demons don't understand love. Drive them out through love in the name of Jesus. And I bless you. I bless you. And I want to say I love you, that there is no condemnation. Something is there that hasn't left yet. You just, when I, we get off here, you just keep speaking to it and command it to go in the name of Jesus. You just declare victory in Jesus' name. And stop believing the lies. Focus on the truth. Focus on the things above and not on the things below. When you focus on the lies, when you th- focus on the, the anger, the bitterness, the unforgiveness, the resentment, the offense, you will live that way. But if you start to focus on love, you will get set free. When you start to focus on the truth of the word of God and make declarations over your life, I don't care what's happening in your life. Speak the truth and get set free. Focus on the truth no matter what. And I love you all. I love you all. And I'm you're in my prayers and I'm just believing that people will comment and say that something left them and they're free because there's power in the name of Jesus. And he did it all. It's his glory. It's his power. It's his authority. It's his cross. And God the Father sent his son to die for us. And we love you, Jesus. We love you, Father. We love you, Holy Spirit. And I bless you all in Jesus' name. Thank you, John. You're welcome. Amen. And thank you for everyone uh, listening and watching today's uh, broadcast. Uh, stay tuned for next week um, as uh, we talk about uh, things in the marketplace. And thanks again, uh, Vince, for your time mm-hmm. and uh, sharing uh, your heart and your experience. Uh, it was really, really good. And mm-hmm. yeah, I'm excited for what God has uh, for you also in the future. So, (laughs) yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a great weekend. Bye bye.